0: So last week's sermon was about being unshakable. And why, if you remember, why is it important to be unshakable? What, what, what was Pastor Jay talking about? What was the text about in Hebrews chapter 12? Uh-oh. The sermon just got a lot longer. <laughs> okay. That's how chapter 12 ends, right? For God is a consuming fire. And the fire and the shaking is the same metaphor. That everything that can be destroyed will be destroyed. That the Lord is going to shake, not just the mountain like he did on Mount Sinai, but the earth and the heavens and the mountains and the seas. So that what can't be shaken will remain. Um, And it ends this way in verse 28, chapter 12. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. And tonight's text follows that that up by instructing God's people how to express that gratitude and how to offer up that acceptable worship that the author is talking about. And then it ends with a really potent promise designed to supply the power that you need to be able to pour out that kind of worship and praise to God. So so pay attention and listen now to the word of the living God as he speaks to you. Hebrews 13, uh, verse 1 through 6. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them. And those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterers. Keep your life free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Amen? Amen. Amen. The church is inheriting a kingdom which cannot be shaken. And that unshakable kingdom is being built up out of the very shaky world that we all live in. And the way that that unshakable and precious uh, kingdom is separated from the shaky and worthless one is... By violently shaking everything and everyone. And letting the worthless crumble away while the precious and pure stands firm. The author is writing to the Hebrews to prepare them. For God has already started to shake their world. Things were falling apart for them and the Lord was about to send, unleash the Romans to execute his judgment. On Israel, Things were about to turn very violent because their people had corrupted the pure religion of their fathers. They had exchanged the living God. They had rejected Jesus, the living God, for an image, for an outward set of practices, for a show of religion. So the Lord looked down on this corruption and it was time to clean house, to get rid of the filth, so a little bit of a silly example, but for example, when you've played the pig and, and eaten your chips and cookies in bed, and all those crumbles are in your sheets, and you did like your mother always told you not to do, right? And you're lying there in that filth, and you can feel it, and it's scratching, and it's greasy. What do you have to do? What do you do? You got to shake the sheets, right? I heard someone say it, thank you. You shake the sheets, right? You get up and you take the sheets by the corners and you just shake them violently. And the crumbs go flying, right? And what's left is some clean sheets. Um, If you're a man, that's considered clean sheets. Um, Right? So, I know it's silly, but hopefully you get the metaphor. If you're in love with the crumbs... And the slothfulness of life. The shaking is horrible. Okay, But if you're in love with a clean bed. And you like sleeping soundly at night. Then it's a beautiful thing, the shaking. Okay. In a way, the Lord was about to do the same with Israel. And he shook away their corruption by destroying the temple. And its forms of worship. Which were unacceptable to him. Which they made unacceptable to him. The Lord did not have pity even on the sacred temple. He would rather destroy it and put it to shame than have his people continue to defile his name with mere outward behavior. He didn't care for their empty gifts of gold or goats. He sent evil men to tear it down, loot it, and burn it, to rid them of that which is not lasting, so that that which is lasting and pure and precious would remain. And that shaking would leave the nation devastated, physically and, and psychologically to this day, even. But God wants His people to be ready for something like that. If their children abandon them, if their brothers forso- forsake them, if they are put in prison, if their property is plundered, if they're mistreated and mocked, if their livelihood is snatched away, He doesn't want them to to come crashing down alongside everyone and everything else. Church, your world will shake. Today, maybe a little bit. Tomorrow, maybe more. Maybe not. Maybe at the end it will shake. But it will shake. And if your identity, relationships, or accomplishments are built on sinking sand, they will shudder and slide into the sea and never be seen again. He will not spare your marriage or your children or your Christian career or your financial stability. Everything will go through the fire and only what is good and unshakable will remain. Only what is lovely and honorable and true will stand firm. Why would you build on the sand? Build your house. That is, build your life on the rock. It's just like Thank you, Eve. Help me with this one. It's just like the three little pigs. And I see some other kids up here tonight. So listen, you guys know the story of the three little pigs? All right, great. And you, if your kids are downstairs later, you can explain this story to them in light of the gospel. The stupid, foolish, younger piglets, the little brothers, chose to build as quickly and cheaply as possible so that they would have loads of time to play and relax. When the big bad wolf came, he huffed, and he puffed, and he blew their silly houses down. And they ran, screaming. The oldest piglet, however, was wise, and he didn't throw away his future for a few short days of fun and games. Instead, he chose to build his house out of brick and stone. And when the big bad wolf came, he huffed, and he puffed with all his might, and the house stood strong. So if you want to be like that oldest piglet, the wise one, what sort of material are you going to use to build your house and keep your family safe? Let's start with brotherly love. Hebrews 13, 1. Let brotherly love continue. In chapter 12, there was a warning not to be like Esau, who came home famished from a hunt and smelled his brother's tasty red stew wafting through the air. And he had to have it. He said, I want it. It smells good. I got to have it. And from that moment on, it didn't matter what the price was. He was going to have his itch scratched. His brother Jacob said, okay, let's make a deal. Sell me your birthright, and I'll give you some of my soup. Being the oldest son, Esau was in line to carry on the future of his family. To receive the promise of the creator, which was passed down to his father, from his father before that. And that promise was to be their faithful God. To make them exceedingly happy. To give them a great land. To richly bless them. And this fool says, You know, what good is that birthright if I'm just going to die from hunger? Like a little dramatic, right? Right. But it's written. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Esau was a man who built his life out of straw and sticks. He lacked the understanding. He chose the present pleasure And when the big bad wolf came and huffed and puffed, his house fell to pieces. He traded a prosperous and permanent future for a bowl of soup and a piece of bread. Don't be like Esau. (laughs) Be wise. Choose this day to build with unshakable materials. Build up your children on a sound foundation, on Jesus. Build up your brothers and their children, and you will be rich and happy in eternity, and so will they. Esau is the story of a stupid man who forsook his glorious future for a fleeting fleshly desire. And then he hated himself, and he hated his brother, and he hated his birthright because of it. Men, this speaks so clearly of your sexual desires, doesn't it? I mean, they just come upon you like that smell of soup wafting through the air and it hits and you just got to have it. When you read the story, you think, that's ridiculous. Like, who can be so foolish to do something like that? Some soup and a piece of bread? But isn't it just the same with you? They come upon you in much the same way. And you just feel the urge and nothing else matters. All your understanding, all the promises of God, you forsake them. And you say, I got to have it. It doesn't matter. I just got to have it right now. Yeah. Don't neglect your inheritance. Don't treat it like garbage. Yeah. And the same goes for those who, who can't say no to that piece of chocolate, to that bag of chips, to those who are enticed by the bottle. To those who get angry at the drop of a hat, Lord, have mercy. Give us the grace to serve acceptably in your kingdom. To build our homes, to build our lives in reverence and fear. Knowing that everything that can be burned away, will be burned away. In the morning, when you're faced with a new day, and that day is wide open to you with many possibilities, many paths that you can go down on, and they will change your life, maybe forever. Make a choice. Make a wise choice not to be a son of Esau. Decide for yourself to treasure the promises of God. Resolve to trust your father. When it came time for Esau to accept his inheritance, he was denied. He wept and pleaded with his father just as so many who in this life cast aside the promises and exchanged them for what rusts and rots For that which lasts for a minute, or two, or ten, or eighty years, but crumbles away in the end. They will face the father on that day and cry and weep and say, have you no blessing for me? And he'll say, no. I gave it all to Jacob. It's a sad story. Don't make it your story. In, instead, be wise. Serve God acceptably with lasting materials. Build a beautiful life with the bricks of brotherly love. Being glued and cemented together, committed, fortified, united together into a single wall. No longer individual bricks, but in brotherly love, a beautiful and sound wall, giving your strength to one another, your boldness, your time your resources to one another to build each other up. To build each other up into the house of the Lord where he lives and will live forever. Faith and victory, praise God, is full of brotherly love. And it's beautiful. So don't stop. It says let it continue. Brotherly love is like a well to keep it from running dry from turning sour, you need to draw from it, often. You must continue in brotherly love. When one is sick, the whole body is sick. When one is in need, the whole body is in need. And when one rejoices, let all rejoice with him. Build with the bricks of brotherly love. They're baked through the heat of this world's trials when you go through them together, and you come out stronger and useful now. Brothers, you're made for working. Bricks in a castle wall are mighty and valuable and they stand the test of time and centuries later that wall is still standing. Bricks by the wayside are crushed underfoot and they turn to rubble. Be about the business of your Jesus who loved his brethren with a pure heart. It says, Brotherly love Must continue. What is God's will in my life, you ask? This is the will of God. This is what he wants you to do. Why? Because the bricks of brotherly love will not be burned away. And will not be shaken. If you build with selfishness, envy, desires for personal gain, apathy towards your brother's needs. These are the materials of straw and and sticks, which are blown down in a split second. Don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers. It goes on. It is good to love one another, but let the love of Christ grow in you so that it overflows to all you meet. When there's a stranger in your midst, a stranger at work, a stranger on the roadside, a stranger at the grocery store, at the car parts store, at the hospital, In the coffee shop. Be hospitable. Be a blessing to your competitor at work. Be gracious to your clients. Be patient with your patients. (laughs) Remember, you are your king's representative to all the people who cross your path. Yes, even to the crying baby, to the homeless, to the sick. To those who wrong you, to the smelly and the funny looking ones, to them too. Being a friend because he befriended you. Helping strangers in their need because while you were a stranger, he stooped down to help you. This is acceptable worship. Much more so than merely being kind because that's how a civilized world operates. No, We're talking about worship that won't be washed away. Worship that will continue to exalt God for thousands of years in the heavenly city. Worship that calls out loudly, the Lord is lovely. Jesus is worthy. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them and those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. It's calling you to use your imagination. To help you choose sympathy for those who are suffering for the sake of Christ. What if you were in their place? You have wrists, do you not? What if they were in chains? You have hands. What if they were holding bars to your cell tonight? Instead of being here. How precious would a word of encouragement from your brother be? How dear would it be to know that your brother is taking care of your family in your absence? What a comfort to know that your family on the outside is continuing the cause. That they're not shrinking back in fear, but boldly furthering the work which you started. Let marriage be held in honor, verse 4. Let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. How do you serve God? Acceptably. What is God's will for your life? To treasure your marriage. Honor your brother's marriage. Celebrate the newlywed. Cherish that elderly couple. Remain committed to your wife. To your husband, keep your eyes pure, guard your hearts, let no person, no image, no whisper keep you keep uh, keep you separated from your spouse. Guard your thoughts. This is the work that God's builders are busy themselves with. This is how the unshakable kingdom is constructed. Not with carpenters and electricians and masons, but with thankful men and women who labor day and night for a pure marriage. A marriage that shows off to the world the love of Jesus for his church. Fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Meaning God will tear down your house. He will rip your life apart to get rid of these sins. He hates them. He will crush them. And if you don't get rid of them, he will crush you in order to get rid of them and your spouse will suffer, and your children will suffer for it, and you will suffer. And you may find yourself like Esau, a man who took for himself many wives, in a position as a grown man, weeping and searching for repentance, but it was too late for him. So love your wife. Find pleasure in your wife. And wives, delight yourselves in your husband. Strive to be a pleasure to each other, to be attractive to each other in body, in character, in spirit. Give the other no reason to look for pleasure in another. Be a delight to one another in public. Be a delight to one another in the home and in the marriage bed. And above all, be faithful and loyal friends to each other in every way. For our God is a consuming fire. And the more filth you drag into your marriage bed, the more your marriage will have to burn in order to keep what is pure. Now, if like the proud young ruler, you say, all these commands I've kept since my youth, (laughs) well, how about the final command? Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Think for a moment about the things that you do for money the things you do to get more does it always seem like you need more how much time and energy how much blood and sweat and tears have been poured out to get more how much do you like to show yourself as a person as a person that has much much beauty, show it off. Much wisdom, let everyone know. Much knowledge, much money, much respect. How much of that is built on Jesus? It's an important question because exactly that much is how much will remain when the Lord shakes. In the end, what will you have purchased with all that energy And all those cares. And all the health and strength that you spent. Will it have been worth it? You just ask yourself. This is a warning. And an offer. Not a finger wag. Or a guilt trip. It really isn't. The Lord Jesus when he came. He did not come to condemn. He came to heal. To search out and save. To make whole. To reunite men with God. To bring you into the family today he is lovingly and patiently calling you and giving you the time to remember all the great things that he's done for you and all the promises that he's fulfilled and the promises that he still has for you and your family he's giving another opportunity to search your heart and decide this day to moor up your foundations before he comes back to judge when God shook The structure and rituals of the Jews came tumbling down. He did this in order that the unshakable and incorruptible, or in other words, the pure religion, may remain. And that pure religion is a life lived in thanksgiving to God, overflowing with acts of thanksgiving, such as putting your brothers first, pursuing their betterment, doing good deeds as Christ's images and representatives on earth, Coming alongside the afflicted, showing hospitality to strangers, remaining faithful to your wife, and ruling your family in purity of heart that they might see Jesus in you and be happy with him. This is acceptable service. Not circumcision, not the slaughtering of goats, not, the, not making pilgrimage to the temple. No. In Christ you offer thankful praise. He has opened the doors of heaven to you. You, who were once foreigners, once enemies, and welcomed you into the riches of his lavish love and care. And because of that, you also share your mercy and grace with others by doing good in every way. From a heart of thanksgiving, you offer up worship that is most pleasing to God. From a heart of thanksgiving. Today, you live in a post-Christian society that resembles the post-Abrahamic society of Israel. Those Jews had, by and large, abandoned acceptable worship. True religion had been replaced by outward displays of piety. And today, you see the same thing. People in the West have adopted the Christian behavior of kindness, generosity, honesty, charity, peace, and the like. But once again, they've hollowed out the actions by denying the Creator. By denying God of all goodness. They deny Jesus, but try to carry on in His teachings, not even knowing why they do so. That's how you end up with something like Pride Month. Lord, have mercy. A worldly religion which forms a system in which the world can walk, is a perversion of Christianity and will be shaken away. And perhaps a time of shaking has begun. It feels like the contractions that foretell the coming birth of a child. Maybe they're in pain, sometimes for a short while, sometimes for what seems like endless hours. But don't dismay. When the baby is born, the trembling ceases and the joy is great. And also like giving birth, the practical ways in which you offer up acceptable worship aren't exactly a walk in the park. When you're in the act, all the romanticized notions seem to vanish away pretty quickly. There's a lot of grunting and clenching and squeezing and pushing. It's excruciating and you scream and it's messy and you need help. Right, ladies? That's what I hear. <laughs> Praise God for mothers. <laughs> And praise God for the grace He gives us to be faithful, uh, fruitful in this life. Offering acceptable worship requires difficult choices. It requires inner fortitude. It requires you to put away all laziness. It requires self-control and faith. And it requires a heart that loves Jesus and hates the sin that deceives. And it requires you to turn your back on easy, evil ways and say, Get behind me, Satan. And that's exactly why the author doesn't just stop there and tell you what to do. But he gives you the grace to do it. He says, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably. We need his grace, his blessings, his good gifts, his holy help. All this he lavishly gives to his beloved children. He himself has said He himself has said, If there be anyone, if there be anything that you know for sure will withstand any shaking, is it not your Jesus? The one who loved truly, who continuously and faithfully gave and gives himself up for his friends. No fire can consume your Jesus. No raging wind could toss him about. He himself, the very amen of heaven, The sound foundation on which the kingdom of God is built. The earth creating, life giving word of God. He himself has said, I will never leave you. Turn their backs on their parents. Husbands leave their wives. Brothers forsake brothers. There is much faithlessness in this world. But not so with your God. He is the one the single, the unique one with whom your trust is secure, in whom your hope will not fail. He himself will be your companion and counselor through thick and thin, that the spirit of truth will not abandon you. To have Jesus himself, the compassionate and courageous one, on your side, the healer and sustainer, the freedom fighter, Jesus, who forgives sins, who lifts up, who sets on a new course, the one who suffered on your behalf, who was tempted and showed himself faithful, Jesus, who overcame and ascended to the throne in heaven, in whom all power and authority rest, he is yours. He himself Says, does not tired of being your shield. He ever lives to intercede on your behalf. No foe is too strong for him. No night too dark, and no fire too furious to put him to flight. When the world comes against you, when it's hard to love your brother, when he's done you wrong, when you've had, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He is by your side urging you to continue on in brotherly love, saying, I gave it all for you. Give a little now for him. Don't worry, I'll take care of you. For you, he did not count equality with the Father something to be grasped, but rather embraced decades of suffering and poverty. When you are tempted to be apathetic toward the suffering, Remember your Jesus who himself was in chains and dragged from court to court and accused and convicted falsely and suffered the punishment of a criminal. He, who himself was bound for your sake, is with you in your time of need. How much more than you, a free man with boundless blessings, can come us alongside your brother in his time of need? When the world tempts you with the lust of the flesh and lies to you and perverts the beauty and honor of marriage and shouts pridefully, look, look, you can have her. Nobody sees. tempted to believe that no one else sees you, that no one else hears what's going on in your head, that no one is around to rescue you from those fiery darts. Remember, he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Let these words, pleasures that are here for a moment and then evaporate like a breath on a winter's morning. Holy Spirit, He is by your side, and you are bringing into His presence something that is hideous and filthy. Let that thought generate fear. It's love. And secondly, let these words, I will never leave you nor forsake you, be understood as an encouragement. He is there to lift you out of the pit when you fall. He is by your side to rescue you from every temptation. You are not alone. You have a helper. You have a mighty savior at your side. Word to accept. He is ready to help you. He is not here to condemn, but to rescue. Choose wisely, brother. For every time you build on the sand, whatever is built will be destroyed. Build your lives on the rock. For he is a mighty fortress and a strong tower. He would not, could not, will not leave you. Will not forget you. Will not. His desire is to share his birthright with you. He himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But wait. To whom is this sweet vow made? To whom are these promises? To the children. This is an inheritance after all. The promise is for the children of God, for those who choose Jesus over this world, the begotten Son of God. Who are these other children? and Where do they come from? They are children of grace, adopted into the family, not by blood and flesh, but by unending, incomprehensible. He himself, who at the great feast where all were making merry, stood and shouted out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. If anyone thirsts, and to be satisfied, whoever believes in me, whoever. Have you ever heard a better word? Whoever. Jesus doesn't have one of those carnival signs that says you have to be this tall to ride the ride whoever white black brown trust in him not a single person boy or girl young or old poor or wealthy whoever puts their trust in him will by no means come to shame jesus stands tall and he shouts loudly for all to hear His offer is for all. No glutton, no adulterer, no slanderer has an inner thirst, an unquenchable dissatisfaction with this world and what it has to offer you. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to Jesus and drink. Friends, strangers, the first time, for the thousandth time, come and be satisfied. It doesn't matter who you are. Do not leave here tonight thirsty. There will be people up front to help you and to pray with you. But whatever you do, don't leave thirsty. If you trust Him, that He is who He says He is, that He will do what He has promised to do, if you believe in Him, He will fill you with rivers of living water. Not a little cup, not a little sip but rivers of living water. He will satisfy your soul and will take, he will give you that water. He will send the spirit of God himself and he will never forsake you. And you can boldly go and say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Well, it's time. It's time. <laughs> If you have kids downstairs, uh, afterwards, remember to pick them up, um, and then go and spend some time with your brothers and sisters. They love you, and then leave here and go go love Jesus too, and build your life on the unshakable one. You can build an unshakable life and spread the kingdom of God on earth. Amen.
1: Final Sunday here at the church. Uh, I think it's going to probably be June 20th. But I I, I just didn't want to miss this opportunity to just admonish you specifically, Ethan, for your faith. You've rightly divided the word of truth. Um, You're a wonderful man, a wonderful leader, a wonderful husband, father, friend, all of them. You're all of those things and more. and uh you leaving is not a good thing for us um and i guess that's a i guess that me we loved this church so well and uh served us well as a missionary um and came back and all those things in between i think we've been together now for like 8 years yeah
0: probably been uh, eight now it's been
1: about 8 years and i don't know if i ever told you guys this story but i'll tell you guys this story cuz i think it's a really cute story about ethan i remember <clears throat> and i and i can say this cuz he's leaving um, <laughs> and you had been attending this church for a short amount of time, and I <laughs> remember we met in my office, and I was like, I was going for the for the shallow wind, and I was like, "So, uh, are you loving the church?" Uh, no, no, I said, I, I said, I uh, yeah, I said something. are oh, you loving the church? He's like, yeah, it's pretty good, and and, and I was like, um, you liking the preaching? And he was like, that's yeah, okay, but you you like you know you like the you know what we preach here, right? And He's like, yeah, I mean it's it's pretty good. And I was like, and I literally said as we sat in the office, I said, why are you here? Cause it just like, usually you say like, you know, I'm like, Hey, I like to preach it. You know what I mean? And, and I said, so why are you here? He said, because you guys would have us and never just so loving. (laughs) And you know, uh, seeing the love that you guys have given as you've been here far exceeds the love that we've given you. And, and. You guys are just wonderful people and I'm sad to see you guys go Uh, on June 20th. You guys make sure, I don't know which excuse to go to Tennessee as, as, as the Lord would have it. I'm actually going to be preaching in Tennessee while I'm on vacation on July 4th. And so they're going to drive out to see me preach in Tennessee on July 4th. So, uh, we'll say goodbye here. And then two weeks later, I'll see you in Tennessee. So would you guys join Let's just stand tonight and let's, uh, pray out. Um, not over Ethan and Dasha, that's a God that sticks with us and stays with us and you let us drink from your well. God, we pray that we would all drink deeply and that specifically tonight, God, that we would remember the Levitt family in prayers. They transition over these next couple of weeks. God, we thank you for Ethan and his family. Father, we pray that you would be with us and go from this place. In Jesus' name, amen.